Mike. Michelle, can you hey. hear me? I can hear you. Can you hear me? Can you hear me? I can hear you. Can you not hear me? Hello? 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 Just kidding. Mike. Hi, Michelle. We Damn survived it. a tornado. <laughs> we did. Barely. We did. Just barely. Yeah, that was pretty scary. Mm-hmm. I'm staying in the driveway of Mike and Michelle, and the freaking tornado hit about a mile from your driveway. Yeah, and a tree hit about, what, eight feet? Yeah, that tree was nothing, though, compared to what could have happened. If you guys haven't seen it, that's that's why we're late getting this podcast out. We didn't get power back at all until yesterday, and cell phone service was bad and everything. And yesterday was Thursday. This happened Sunday. And Mike put up a video on his Twitter account. So if you guys aren't there, go to at scathing tweets and look at the video of some of the damage that was really very, very close to the house. It was pretty nerve wracking. It's been a kind of a stressful week. Yeah. The reason I have video of the damage is you can't drive. Well, now you can do anything you want, but back for three or four days after the tornado, you couldn't drive anywhere because the power poles fell into the street and the stoplights were out and the trucks were in the street putting the power back up and all that crap so you had to drive all these crazy ass routes that sometimes took you right through the worst of the tornado damage so that's why and i have dash cam stuff video of that stuff and mike was going to get fuel for a generator so we wouldn't lose the stuff in the fridge and stuff like that it was it was pretty rough it was, it was a bad choice road michelle it was a bad choice road, but I don't think <laughs> I don't think our um, our week was as bad as Jimmy's. People don't care about our problems, Michelle. Well, okay. So, Michelle, in order to uh, prepare for this podcast, since we had a freaking extra week to do it, I did some research on the Juarez cartel. Okay. Did you ever read any about the Juarez cartel? Not a single There's word. Some interesting stuff on fandom.com. It's kind of a wiki site for shows. Uh-huh. And there's a Breaking Bad fandom. And they talk all about how the cartel was formed. And some very interesting things. First of all, on the surface of it, the Juarez cartel is disbanded. There is no more any Juarez cartel in the current, um, whatever the present day universe of Breaking Bad is. Oh, okay. So I think it was disbanded, of course, when... Gus frickin' disbanded it by killing everybody. But um, there's no more Juarez cartel. I thought I thought it was interesting about the Juarez cartel because on my drive back and forth across country, I noticed how cool and interesting it was to be in El Paso and be like a frickin' stone's throw from Juarez right across the Rio Grande River. And uh, just one really beautiful, brightly lit neon city of El Paso and then right across is like just poverty. Juarez, Mexico. That's crazy. Um, so it's disbanded. And also, Michelle, Don Eladio, Eladio is his first name. His last name is Vuente, V-U-E-N-T-E, Eladio Vuente. I always thought, okay. his, uh, I thought Eladio was his last name. Yeah, I did too. Um, and he has a nickname, Michelle. Okay. Uh, El Griego Guinador. And do you know what that is? Um, I don't. If you think about it with your Spanish lessons, you might get it. <laughs> okay, say it again. El, oh, uh, hold on. Okay, I the. Lost... 
<laughs> El Griego. Griego. Guinador. El Griego Guinador. The yeah, winking. I don't know that. The winking Greek because of the distinctive Greek amulet he wore. Okay. Remember, um, somebody took that amulet off his neck. Was it Mike? Or Jesse when they when they poisoned him? Yeah, remember they I ripped don't it remember. off his I they, do. He fell into the pool and they took it off. Mm-hmm. Um so anyway, the three main founders of the Juarez cartel were the Salamancas, Juan Bolsa, and Eladio Vuente. And they were equal partners when they started it, and Don Eladio Vuente actually took over um, by certain series of events, but he became the leader of it and kind of rose up above the Salamancas and Juan Bolsa. So when we called Don Bolsa Don Juan, that's really what you would call him, right? Probably, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, so let's see what else in, interestingly did I have here. There's nothing really new that anyone knows, but it's kind of interesting to reread it and just remember stuff that you might have seen in Breaking Bad that like kind of rings a bell again. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so I was kind of curious about the the cartel and how it's um, disbanded now, and it was the Juarez cartel started by those three dudes, and now Don Eladio took it over pretty much, and uh, the Salamancas and Bolsa were kind of underneath him, and then Gus wiped it all out. In the events of Breaking Bad. Spoiler. Um, so what else did I read about here? Uh, I put a couple notes down about Jimmy lying to Kim. And Kim, do you think Kim was lying to Jimmy by not telling him right away that she went to see Lalo as his lawyer? Or as a friend of his lawyer or something? She sort of represented herself as a lawyer. His well, lawyer. she did. Well, she did. She well, she told um, Lalo that she had that she was in there and that she had um, told them that she was part of his legal team. So that kind of counts, don't you think? Do you think that's a count that that counts as a lie to Jimmy that Kim lied to Jimmy? I'm going to give her a pass and say no. And the reason I'm going to say that is because it was so quick into his coming home. If it had been, if he'd been home for a week or whatever, and she still hadn't told him, I mean, they hadn't really talked about anything to do with that. I think they were kind of, or at least she was basking in the fact that he wasn't dead. And I don't even know if she thought about that. What do you about think? About whether or not it was a lie. Well, about about telling him. I think she would have told him, although she did look a little shocked that he knew. So, so um, since we've had some technical um, hamstrings this week and it's been kind of tough getting us all stuffed together, I'm going to just put my notes out here for us to just – let's just – hit these couple points so we don't forget them okay but um we had a question about what how does how does the bandit know or how does the team of bandits know that there's money on the way from jimmy back up to the states to albuquerque and we see that guy making the phone call but um it's pretty much been confirmed in this episode that juan bolsa was behind that because of the uh tattoo that one of them had and gus has mike draw the tattoo Right. And those dudes were from Colombia. 
Right. Right. I thought that was kind of difficult to understand. It was the second watching that I kind of got that, what was going on there. But the tattoo that Mike drew for Gus, and by the way, we all need that heading, that uh, Los Poyos Hermanos little tablet notepad that he drew it on. That was pretty cute. But, um, but then Gus recognized the tattoo evidently as somebody that Juan Bolsa uses when he calls people in because he said that was a hired hit. At that yeah, point. the Colombians do that kind of but stuff. But we got to start at the beginning of this, though, Mike. Because oh, no, we when will. that came on. We will. We will. Okay. Just, all right. Just, I just, these are all stuff I would have said anyway. But I want to make a comment about your paper and your printer. And, the, you know, I know that was a technical glitch right. this time, Michelle. But you you shouldn't have any paper in your life these days. <laughs> no You're one, not wrong. No one should. No one should have letterhead notepads. There should be no paper anywhere in the world these days. Well, you got to have paper. I mean, what happened? Okay, we went how long without even cell service? I mean, you didn't, but I did. And I couldn't even look up a recipe or anything. I know, but you were talking about taking notes on your phone and then printing them in, onto paper to read them for the podcast. And well, I, I don't really read them. I just look at them. It's easier to look at, and I don't have to, like, look at the screen. I can look at the screen, but I like to flip back and forth, and I do notes and stuff on my paper right. as you're talking, and I just am not able to do that on the computer. So, All right. I'm just, I'm old I'm just imposing my opinion, I'm your, my unsolicited <laughs> opinion on you. <laughs> uh, I appreciate all your help in getting this set up, though, because it was ridiculous. And it's right. going to be all changed next week, so... All right, so a couple other notes I have. Lalo seems to be saying goodbye to Hector for the last time, and he'll never see him again. It was kind of, they made it kind of dopey-ish in the birthday hat on his head and all that, and it was, you know, oh, Hector loves to sing happy birthday. But it looked like the final encounter between Lalo and Hector. Was that the sense you got from it, or was there something that you know that I don't know about that? No, I don't know anything other than the look on their faces and... Hector looked sad. He always looks grumpy and sad, but it looked like the f last time, you know, that Lalo would probably see his T.O. I'm going to be sad if we don't see Lalo, unless something spectacular happens, obviously. I'm going to be sad if we don't see him next season. I really like that character. Um, uh, my final note I'll put before we start doing these um, well, maybe one other, but th that Lalo seemed kind of like Superman, the way he's jumping through 10 feet of air to land on the car, and he's so super smart, and he's like, he's calculate. he's like mean, he's like Tuco, he's like Gus, he's smart like Gus, he's calculating like Gus, he's strong like Tuco, but without the negative, stupid, you know, meanness of Tuco. Yeah, but he's also witty, and he's kind of charming in an evil kind of way. So there's something that's very compelling about this character. I know. He's a Superman. He's like militarized Superman. But And they the always show him like Spider-Man landing. They showed him doing that on, on Saul's car, but they also showed him doing it through the roof when he killed Fred. I mean, same thing. He's, he's like almost... Um, Almost Marvel character. Yeah, a lot of the forums are calling him like comic book, com, you know, comic ish. Like it's, oh, are they? He's, yeah, he's over the top, like so well 
prepared for battle and strategy and physical ability and good looks and charm and evilness and all that all that stuff. But I put my note on that to cap that off, Michelle, is that Kim appears to be kryptonite to this Superman dude because she kind of had answers for him that Gus, uh, not Gus, Saul certainly didn't have. He had Saul quaking in his shoes and Kim stood up to him and he he had to stop and listen to her because she was like a dynamo compared to his uh, Superman. Well, you know how women are. They've had enough and they put their foot down, so to speak. And I think that was it. She she knew she was going to have to either say something or they were in trouble. So the final thing I'll say is from Seppenwall, he pins down some times for us, and he says that it's June of 2004 right now as of this episode on Saul, June of 2004, and Breaking Bad starts in September of 2008. So we're four years away from the very beginning of the times that we saw while wow. getting picked on at the clap by the students in the car wash and all the, you know, the very beginning of Breaking Bad. That's crazy because we don't see Saul. Well, yeah, he's in episode two, isn't he? No, I think he's in season two, episode four. Is it four. season? Okay. Okay. Yeah, I was thinking season two, and then I thought, no, maybe it's episode two. Yeah, so we could still have five more years. We know we don't, but we could have five more years of content with him before we catch up and I want to see it. I want to see it all the way up until he meets Walt. All right. Well, that's, that was my little preview. So, um, if your paper's not ready, I can go, I can have, I have some notes on each scene. No, I'll, I'll try it. And if it's horrible, you just tell me and we'll go on from there. Okay. All right. People say I mean to you if I tell you it's horrible, Michelle. I, well, that's okay. That's okay. I deserve it this week, no doubt. But um, they start out playing that song again, that something stupid song. The but they didn't really play it. They just played it with the um, like the music to it. Did you notice that? And that we've had that before. Yeah, the Sinatra song. Yeah, that was. Uh, I was not expecting this. I was not expecting to be so moved by that by that scene that the split screen with Saul calling Kim and she's taking, well, first she's taking presumably a Tylenol or something with a fresh glass of water while Saul's drinking his pee. I mean, it was just like complete contrast. She's inside smoking. Have you ever seen Kim smoking inside? They always go outside. Uh, I saw her in the parking garage smoking. Yeah, but it's usually outside, and she's, like, walking through their apartment smoking, and Jimmy's holding up his phone in the air looking for service, and then he gets that cell signal that we saw at the end of last week, which has, you know, special meaning to me this week, as I was looking for my cell service all week, but he drops to his knees, and he calls Kim. He could have called anybody, and he called Kim, and she's crying, and he's about to cry, and I'm crying, and I just, I just wasn't expecting that the first time, the first little scene of this. You were crying? Yes. Oh, my God. <laughs> you cried, too. Just a little. Yeah, because a tree almost crushed me today. <laughs> I was so, I was so moved by that. You guys, we, we were watching this. This was rigged up. The TV was rigged up to a generator, and the 
Mike had taken his computer and downloaded. Michelle, are you trying to get me in trouble with the FCC here? <laughs> he had taken it and downloaded it so we could watch it. He's, it's completely deleted now. Um, but but yeah, I mean, it was a big deal to what we're, we're watching it in the dark with a generator going and the TV and no electricity and no anything. And I couldn't believe that I was so moved by that scene. So. Then we go to Mike and Jimmy, and they're drinking their big gulps, and they're all burnt and weathered, and they're at that truck stop convenience store thing, and they're in those gift shop clothes sitting on their piles of cash. So then they're in the cars with Gus's guys, and um, Mike and Jimmy are talking, and they're talking about, well, Gus's guys are talking about the mess that was left behind and that no one's been down the road yet and they're going to send eight. So evidently this is going to be wiped completely clean like it was never going to happen, right? Like it never happened. Well, Mike's building a story with Jimmy to tell every everybody and anybody who might harm them that might be interested. Right, right. But they were also talking about the the truck that was going to go down the road and make it look like Nothing had ever happened. Yeah, to yeah. what end do you think they were worried about that, Michelle? Well, what does it matter? Why, why couldn't Gus go right to Lalo or what, Gus? Why couldn't J- Jimmy go right to Lalo and say, dude, we got attacked by these eight bandits and we barely got away and we finally, you know, what's wrong? What, why do they have to not tell that? Well, I think that, it, that they didn't want it told because... Lalo couldn't know that Mike was involved. And how would Jimmy have possibly gotten out of that? Yeah, that's plausible. Jimmy walking by himself through the desert in his loafers and bottle of pee probably would have gone about two miles. Well, that and just getting away from the guys in the car and all that happened. I mean, if he told the true story, because I thought at first I thought, why is he not telling him? So Jimmy tells Lalo the truth. Lalo goes, okay, how'd you get out of this? Who, how did that guy Mike know to help you? And how are you connected to Mike and Gus? And all that gets unraveled if that happens. Right. Right. Well, and, and it's just too much. It's just like unnecessary detail. And I thought it was, or, you know, like on an as-needed-to-know basis. And that was just not something. So So much opportunity for other details to come out if he told him anything at all because Lalo is nothing if he's not thorough okay. so because I did think about that I thought why not just tell him the truth but then you're right Jimmy wants to go to sleep but Mike says they really have to work on this and they develop this airtight story and Jimmy is not going to deviate from it as we see so that's um, kind of telling about Jimmy I thought then Jimmy goes into the bell office and de Guzman Jorge and the woman is incredulous and she's like, it's $7 million. And he goes, yep. And then the DA comes in and she starts asking Saul how Jorge de Guzman has $7 million. And that's not something that Jimmy would need to tell her, Right. No, he's a he's his lawyer. He doesn't have to incriminate his client. But then, why would she even bother asking? I don't know. I mean, you could ask stuff you hope gets an answer and not expect an answer. So essentially, what 
he's doing, Jorge de Guzman is doing, is buying his life back, his freedom back for $7 million. Yeah, he's totally, he's not going to, you asked this in the last episode of our podcast, like he's not going to really go to court. Like He's, he's not, he's just going to take this little bit of freedom and jump back to Mexico. Right. So probably worth so, it. Probably, it's probably worth it to him. Because otherwise he's screwed. He's, you know, he's just screwed. Well, that kind of brings up an interesting question. I mean, what would 25 years of your life be worth? Shit, man. Seven million easily. One and, year. And <laughs> One, One year? Six months to, yeah, to Lalos. He's, you know, it's a lot of money, but you saw it took, how much of a dent did it make in that room full of cash? That's just cash. It's just nothing. You know, it's. It's definitely worth it to him. Well, they get done counting with their fancy little counting machines, and they give Jimmy the leftovers. And then Lalo's walking out, and he's folding his paperwork that he's gotten. He tells Saul that he must have a story. And this is where Jimmy tells him a story about he had car trouble about six miles after the drop, and he was afraid to hitchhike on the road carrying that much money. And... That's just the story. He talks about walking through the desert and then the whole story and that he, you know, sleeps little, gets back, the whole story. But Saul tells him not to get too excited because they're wondering about this money. So would they do something or are they going to yeah, try well, to come Yeah, we just covered that. He's not, he doesn't care where – he doesn't care if they wonder where he got the money because if he went back to court, they could say, okay – you're you're in court now for your murder attempt on what's the kid's name? Fred. Fred. So that, but we also we want to look into where you got this. He doesn't give a shit about that. He's gone, man. He's he's. We see what he does, right? Right. He had that plan all along, so he could care less if they wondered where he got the seven million. Right, but I think Saul's telling him that he better hurry up and uh, expedite his plan, whatever he's going to do, without specifically saying that because they were really incredulous over the money. Mm -hmm. You're right. Lalo tells him he's going to be in Mexico before the guys can find him. And by the way, much respect for marrying so well, which completely freaks Jimmy out. Yeah. Do you still not look upon Lalo as a misogynist after this episode? Calling Kim the looker and how he, Jimmy's doing so well by marrying her. And Kim's a piece of meat to Lalo. She's a, beautiful woman that he's you know looking up looking upon as a pretty thing and not a person i'm not saying that did i say he wasn't a misogynist uh i thought you were maybe i i mean i don't if i did i don't mean that but got the um, tapes michelle right you're right but yes he definitely says things like that but at the same time, I don't think Lalo views Kim as just a pretty woman. I, I feel like that's almost a way to poke a man and not really have anything to do with the woman. You hear that stuff all the time between friends where the guys are like, you married out of your league, dude. And it's a way of saying congratulations. It's not necessarily a way of saying I view that woman as a piece of meat. In 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 my view, but so anyway, Jimmy gets home and Kim helps him with his shirt off and his shoulders. Did you see where those bags had like bruised his shoulders? Really bad. 
I didn't see that, Michelle. I thought he had a nice tan. Yeah, he had a nice, a nice bit of sun. Well, this is where he, I think Kim lies. I think this is a lie by Kim by not telling him right away about Lalo. Like, okay. You know, right here. I don't know. It maybe it doesn't matter, but it seems like Jimmy's definitely lying to her. But I think she's kind of lying a little bit to him by this omission of having seen Lalo. I I don't think I'm I'm not holding Kim up to any kind of standard. I I would just really have to think about if that were a lie. I mean, she obviously should tell him, but I just if if you see somebody you love hurt. I just don't know that my first inclination is, oh, this is what I did to try to get you back. But maybe. But he You said in- it was a lie, Michelle, when Sansa Stark didn't tell her dad that Joffrey was the one wrong when Arya got in trouble. Remember? Well, that's not the same thing. All right. Okay. But he gets into an oatmeal bath and he refuses the hospital. Kim tries to get him to go a couple different times, just even for an IV. Kim tells him that she can't believe he walked in the desert alone for 36 hours. Now, she does say alone, and he says, all by myself. So he's definitely lying here. And then he asks her about seeing Lalo, and he's very harsh about her staying away from people like Lalo. He's not the way that Jimmy normally is with Kim. And then he tells her that he didn't think he was going to make it back, but he kept going because of her. And yeah, so Seppenwall makes a distinction in his article on Rolling Stone that they love each other, Kim and Jimmy love each other more during times of trouble, and during calm times they separate. Like when their law f- professions are growing and they're in this, they're trying to get the same office and they're, you know, they're putting the logo up on the wall. They kind of grow apart a little bit. They brush their teeth at their separate sinks, and they kind of grow distant from each other. But during any times of trouble, they've, they've always kind of bonded back together. And this is definitely one of those times. Don't you think that's pretty common for anybody or for a lot of people? No, I think it's often the opposite. During times of trouble, people separate. And during times of good times, everybody's happy and they stay together. Well, it's not trouble between them, though. It's just trouble. I think I think a lot of times people kind of, what do they call it, even trauma bond or something, and they, they really want to grasp on to what they love, particularly in a situation where we almost lost him. I don't know. I don't I don't see it as being that unusual, although it is an interesting remark on it, I think. But she agrees to stay away from Lalo and she looks worried and she's lovingly dabbing his head and then she asks him if it's worth it after all this and he tells her to go look in the bag. So what do you think he was saying at that point? Look at the think- money. You think he's he, saying he reminded me exactly of Walter White showing the little baby Holly the money in the wall in the garage behind mm-hmm, the mm-hmm. insulation. Like, look what Daddy did for you. Look how much he loves you. Like, you can, like the amount of money means the amount of love. So look at the money. It wasn't really the right answer, but it was what Jimmy thought would be impressive to Kim. 
And it didn't really mean that much to her. What really meant more to her was the cup. He didn't want her to find the cup. He wanted her to find the money. So you think he was saying that it was worth it? Oh, yeah. Yeah, because I don't know if he was saying that. I really thought about that, and I thought maybe he was saying, go look, because he could have said, heck, yeah, it was worth it. Go look in that bag, but he didn't. He just says, go look in the bag, and that just kind of made me feel like, you know, this is what I got out of it, but I don't know if it's worth it. I think Jim, and Jim even said in the desert that this wasn't worth it. And he was awfully quick to offer that money back to Lalo, too. So I don't know. Yeah, I think he mean, he means, oh, my God, it wasn't worth it. Just go take a look and you'll see how much it was worth it. Like, okay. like he's totally believing it was way more than worth it. Now he's safe and alive in his living room and sitting in a pot of oatmeal. So he's comfortable. But... Yeah, but I don't know. See, we just talked about this. There's like this theme at least three times in here about this. Lalo, what was his life the year's worth to him? And it was worth the seven million. What was Jimmy's life worth to him? Was yeah, it Jimmy worth potentially losing? Jimmy's not worried about his life. No, at this point. but was it worth it to almost die, to potentially die in a desert to make that much money? And then at the end, the money was meaningless to him when he thought something was going to happen to him. I don't know about that. Kim. I think it was. I think he thought it was a big card he could play, and hundred grand to Lala was like nothing compared to what he wants. You know, the information he wants. I thought he thought it was worth it. I thought he thought it was well okay. worth it, and he was trying to impress his girl by saying, instead of telling her, "I'm going to let her see what a hundred thousand dollars looks like in a bag." Well, right. Right, and you could definitely be right. I just wasn't sure because, I mean, would it be worth it to you? Not knowing what happens to Saul now, but at that moment, like Jimmy, in that moment, he didn't know Lala was about to pop up no, on his doorstep. No, I'm not talking about any of that. I'm talking about would it be worth $100,000 to go through that in the desert, not knowing if you're going to live or die for 36 hours? After I've known that I was okay, yes, I would say yes. I would say that if that trauma I just went through was worth it. Okay. Well, Kim, you're right. Kim finds the shot coffee mug in the bag along with the money. And as she's holding this coffee mug, he's saying that's what it's all about. Yeah, and he gets cocky. He's 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 <laughs> he's ballsy when he's in a safe spot. He's ballsy again really quickly, but he's overly cocky about this like oh look what i did you know and then then it had the dobro guitar playing in the background is the background music i don't know if you mm -hmm. noticed that but it was like the breaking bad uh, uh, opening sequence of music they always had uh -huh. yeah with that guitar and that was in the background in this scene he was bragging now he was he was scared in the desert with mike and the guy shooting and all that and wondering if he was gonna you know die of thirst but now he's kind of safe again so he's cocky again but it was very meaningful to me that he's saying that's what it's all about when he's talking about the money, but we're looking at the bullet hole. I love the way they did that because that really is what it's all about. So I thought that was kind of neat how they put that together. Yeah, that was neat. I saw the exact same motivation with Walter. It's like money. If I get enough money, no matter what I do for my family, if I get enough money, It'll all be worth it. It'll all be okay. Right. 
Well, then we go to that scene where Mike's reporting to Gus about the six guys that attacked and describing the tattoos that you and I just talked about. And Gus has him draw it, and he tells Mike that they were hired, and Mike asks by who, and he says Don Bolsa. And then um, as he's leaving, he brings up Nacho. What did you think about that scene? Oh, well, that's just Mike's. Good. He's the what little bit of good is left in his dark black heart. <laughs> he he hates the father having to suffer for Nacho. Well, yeah, I mean that has to ring true to him too, because the same thing could happen essentially to him with Stacy and Kylie, right? Yeah, I mean they could I, I do that. I don't. To him. I don't mean to say Mike has a dark black heart. He's a pretty cold, cold blooded dude, and he, but he's basically a good dude too. So I, you know, that's not really what I think about Mike. But yeah, he's worried. He's worried about Nacho and his father. He wants to see Nacho catch a break from Gus. So, what do you think about Mike always being in the right place at the right time? I did read again because we were so late. One set of comments on an article that I didn't read the article, but I read the comments, and people were really upset about Mike. They're they're bored and they don't get it. It's a, you were talking about Lalo being a superhero. They were saying Mike is like this turned into this superhero. He's always in the right place at the right time. He's always calling at the exact right moment. He's always able to do these miraculous seeming saves of people. I don't know. It might have been a bit of a stretch. He set, sets himself up on the opposite apartment building in the perfect position to see Lalo and Jimmy and Kim. And oh, I know they could have been in any room. But it's television. I mean, I don't. That doesn't bother me. I, yeah. I don't, I don't think that Mike's overcooked by that. I, I, I was totally entertained. I love Mike the way he is. I hope he continues to be a. You know, we know what happens to him, but I hope he continues as long as we keep seeing him to be the tough perfect assassin that he is i really like mike and i didn't it it's kind of a stretch that he's in the desert and he's set up in a place exactly to know where to be able to pick these people off i get that that was a stretch and then you're right being in the other building he's able to get in a place exactly where he can see uh jimmy and kim and lalo so it is a stretch, but it's a stretch that I don't mind with this. So I'm I'm actually with you on that. So Mike, the great savior of everybody, though, and he's not able to save Nacho's father, at least not so far. And Gus says a dog that bites every owner he's had can only be disciplined with a firm hand or put down. Yeah, and that's but, true about Nacho. He has bitten every hand. Well, has he? I mean, the only thing we know is that he was going after Don Hector, and the uh, or yeah, and the only reason he was is because he wouldn't leave his dad alone. I mean, that's all. Do we know anything else about him that I'm not remembering? Mm, he's pretty true to himself. I think that doesn't go sit very well with Gus. Gus wants soldiers to fall into line. But remember how Hector was. Hector wanted him to his dad to be a front. For the money, mm-hmm. and his dad wasn't going to do it, and that wasn't going to work well, and they actually met, and the tension and all that. I mean, I think Nacho was, I'm not going to say he was forced, but he didn't start anything with Hector. It wasn't like he was just trying to bite somebody's hand. 
think he was just trying to save his father. But Mike evidently, or so far at least, accepts it and he leaves. And then Nacho is giving a report to somebody about what Lalo is doing. And Nacho says once he's down south, he's done right. And they tell him just do as he's told and don't worry about it. I don't even know who he was talking to in that. I couldn't tell the voice. I was assuming it was Mike, but it wasn't. It yeah, wasn't I put two Mike question mark too, but that was essentially mm-hmm. what Nacho thought was going to happen. Take Lalo to Hector, say a quick goodbye, and then he's done. I'm done with him, and I'm done too, and it's done. Right. But not so fast, Nacho. Right. So the next morning, Kim's making Jimmy his juice, and she's doting on him. She's offering him cereal or omelet or whatever. She's called in sick. She's going to stay home with Jimmy today. And for some reason, the making of the orange juice is giving Jimmy some type of PTSD flashback thing, and he freaks, and he throws his bowl of cereal off the table. For some reason, it shoots blood on – well, it shoots orange <laughs> juice on his shirt like the blood one on his shirt. Right. Almost exactly orange blood right. on his shirt. But Kim goes to clean it all up, and she's saying it's not a big deal, but she is looking at him like this is a big deal. She's worried about him. And then they go to the next scene where he's soaking his rough-looking feet in that basin of water, and Kim's snuggled up against him on the couch, and they're watching TV, and she's smiling, but he is not even watching anything. He's worried and preoccupied, and his phone goes off, and he uses this excuse to get out of the house, I think. What do you think? Well, yeah, Seven will pin that movie, too. I forgot. I didn't write the name of the movie down. But the, essentially the plot of that old movie, Cary, was it Cary Grant? Um, mm-hmm. Some old actor and actress. But it was about a girl who keeps going back to a guy who's bad to her over and over in the old movie. So it was mm-hmm. kind of funny that they picked that to be the movie. Oh, I'm sorry. What was your question? Oh, I was just asking you if you thought that he was using that phone call as an excuse to escape Kim and the situation right then. Maybe a he, little bit. he didn't have to go in. No, it was that stupid, well, probably not to the guy he was defending, stupid, but. Well, it was. It ended up being because he didn't do a good job. I yeah. mean, he's preoccupied. You don't, you know, you shouldn't work like that. It's like a, a weed. It was a weed deal, plea deal on weed marijuana that went bad or something. Yeah, something. Um. But Kim tries to talk him out of going in, and she's telling him that she knows he's lying to her. And she says, I'm not forcing you to tell me, like in our agreement, but I want, but she wants him to know that she's there for him, and he can tell her with no judgment. Yeah, all and this then, is why it's important to me what, whether or not she's lying to him by not talking about Lalo. Because, like, I know you're lying, and I know we have an agreement, but it's okay. You don't have to tell me. I know you went through something really difficult, so no judgment. But she's kind of lying, too. You know, it's harder to accept Well, they've that. already talked about Lalo at this point. That was in the bath. Yeah. but he It's could, over with. I know. But, but she, at, along the way, she was kind of breaking the agreement, too. I don't necessarily disagree with that. I mean, I guess she should have told him, but I just don't know when she would have done it. I mean, he hadn't been home how long? 15 minutes? I mean, yeah, I don't know. I mean, right here. But he, he, they've already he, he, talked about it. I know, but why doesn't he say, well, you didn't tell me about Lalo and we had, had that agreement. Oh, well, that's I mean, the same thing. She Look, she's trying to be 
helpful to him. She's trying to let him know, hey, I realize you're going through something. She found the bullet hole. He dropped his cereal. He's not himself. And she just wants him to know no judgments. I mean, what's she going to say? I'm I know just saying I like that they him. had the agreement. Like, if, if I think I should, you know, if I think I should tell you, I just have to tell you, no matter what. Jimmy puts it in those words. I don't know if she thought of it the same way, but that right. seemed to be their agreement. If I wonder about whether or not I should tell you, then I should tell you. Right. And I think Kim probably wondered, had to, she had to wonder if she should tell Jimmy that she fucking saw Lalo. <laughs> but I mean, she knows Jimmy's going to find out. It's not like. All right. All right. I don't know. So anyway, Jimmy builds it all up saying something did happen. And then he just talks about drinking his pee. He just makes it into something silly. Yeah, that's a lie. That's right. a lie. That's not the real reveal. Well, he's learned, though, how dangerous it is to tell Kim everything. He could have gotten her killed. Nonetheless, it's, it, and on, on the tales of this, we, hey, we told each other that if we thought about it, we should talk about it. I think that means everything. Okay, well, that's a pretty big moral dilemma then, because do you do that? I think that I think the way they contextualize that agreement, I think, yes, there are two attorneys and they're both messed up in legal things. And I think, yes, it's part of their relationship. He can't protect her. He, he can't. He, he might think he's trying to protect her, but I, I don't know that it's only to protect her either, that he's shying away from telling her this truth. I think it's 100 percent why he's not telling her. OK. Because he talked about it with Mike in the desert about sharing this with Kim, just a little bit of it, and Mike freaked out. And he said he that, that his loved ones are safe and they will never know what he does. All right. Uh, some dogs are mauling some little kids out here. So gonna... <laughs> I wish you could control the, your dogs. I got to tell you what I'm seeing, Michelle. It's actually your damn dog. <laughs> Little uh, Pesci. He's about a foot tall, and he thinks he's—he thinks he's a timber wolf. You love him. Okay, so Kim goes walking in to the office anyway, even though she's called in sick, and her secretary's talking to her about stuff, and things have already been handled in her absence and she wanted to write letters. She goes into her office. She starts dictating them. She keeps getting distracted. She's looking at the, at the pro bono pictures that she has in the frames. And she goes to talk to Richard and we see her in the office talking to him. He's like, got his mouth open. He looks perplexed. And then Kim's back in her office looking around and she goes out and asks Marcy to send her her pro bono cases. Oh, and here are my keys and she walks out. But she starts to walk out. Then she goes back into her office and gets the um, tequila cap, the Zafiro and Yeho cap. Yeah, the cork. Cork, yeah. That is a, um, I don't know. So what did that tell you? She prizes the uh, little scam events that Jimmy and or Giselle and whatever Jimmy's name was in the scam time. The, she remembers those days very fondly. Like Jimmy keeps all, the cup. Is it just like a memory or do you think she's thinking, okay, she's saying this stuff and it's so boring. I couldn't even like take note of what she was saying in these letters. And 
then she's thinking about Jimmy and she's thinking about the bullet hole and driving through the desert and they're both attorneys. And so she quits and she goes back in and gets that Añejo cap cork because it represents her, I think is a more exciting person. And I think that's what she wants. Well, it's more valuable. It's more meaningful to her for whatever reason. Kind of like the cup with the hole in it was more meaningful than the $100,000 in bills. Well, sure. But don't you think that she... Something's made her want something different. We've never seen her just want to leave. And now she wants to leave. I mean, and she's decided. And well, we've seen... I think she's been breaking bad a little bit all the way through this. Yeah, you have said that. So then we go to the thing where Lalo's talking to Hector. And he said he has to go back for a year or so, and Hector is not happy. But he still manages to do his Hector smile when Lalo talks about doing more stuff to, to Gus, talking about the arson. And then they come to take Hector away to sing happy birthday to somebody, and Lalo leaves after looking back at him in this humiliating kind of spot. Well, they talk about it's 11 months until Tuco is out of jail. Right, they do. By the way, one thing I forgot to say in the in the Juarez cartel history, um, Hector spent 17 years in jail to not speak against anybody in his cartel. Hmm. So he sat in jail for 17 years for to, to, for the Omerta, to, to not tell anybody um, the inside workings of the cartel. Yeah, I think we've heard that somewhere, didn't we? Mm-hmm. That's yeah. yeah, that's part of that wiki. But yeah, it was in the was in the events of Breaking Bad. Well then Lalo comes out to the car from uh the place where Hector is, Casa Tran- Tranquil, and Nacho picks him up. Casa Tranquil? Maybe it Who is. Knows? Maybe Who right. knows? I don't know. I could have just typed it wrong in the dark. So who knows? Did we get uh, to the family is everything yet? Lalo no. tells Hector family is everything. Or he tells Nacho when he picks him oh, up. Oh, yeah. Yeah, when he's leaving, that's what he whispers to him. He asks the girl to leave him alone when she comes to get Hector. And that's when he leans over to him and says family is everything. And do you remember where family is everything came from originally? That, well, that was the Walt thing, wasn't it? Well, that was Gus talking to Walt, and par- he partially says that. But Hector says, "Family is everything." When he, when the two twins, the uh, Leonel and whatever his cousins, twin Marco, cousin, Marco, mm-hmm. when they um, were playing as little kids in the yard, and Hector and one of them said, "He took my gun or he took my toy," and Hector's. Said, okay, do you want me to hurt him and hold him under the water and hold his head in the freaking yeah. vat of beer ice water to nearly drown him? And he says, um, he tells those two young boys who grew up to be the silver twins, family is everything. Like, don't ever go against your cousin because family is everything. And now Lalo's telling it to Hector. So that's so how I deeply guess- ingrained it is in the Salamanca family culture. Yeah, and it's, yeah, passed down. So, who was the guy who had the tracer on Nacho's car when they started to drive off? Do you remember his name? It was one of Gus's guys. Tyrus and Victor? It was just the one. 
I think. But they were sitting outside, and they obviously had a tracer on Nacho's car, which we know, to follow him to see where they're going. He and Lalo are going. And then we see that scene where Saul walks out of the courtroom and the DA is mocking him about what a terrible job he did in court, following him down the hallway, mocks him in the stairwell. So Saul's not on his game. He's, he's saying that, look on the bright side, they'll be teaching this in law school on what not to do and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, he's a smartass. Really mocking him. And so outside, Jimmy waits on Mike to pull up. And then he gets in his car and asks him how long until this misery goes away. And Mike really tries to give him some, I guess, some comfort. He some tells hope. him there's, yes, some hope. He says there's no specific time. It's different for different people. And then he goes into that same thing. And I think it's the same thing that Stacy said at one of her uh, meetings. Do you remember that? Where she was talking about Maddie and she said, one day I got up and I had breakfast and I washed the dishes and I dropped Kaylee off at school and I went to work and at an hour or so later I realized I hadn't thought of him. And it, so anyway, that's kind of what Mike is telling him, that one day he's going to wake up, eat, brush his teeth and remember that he's not thought of it. Yeah, one day you know you can forget. Yeah. So that may be the very moment that Mike is re referencing in his own life that he realizes that Stacy was right, that you have to sort of let it go to process it and feel better and move on. And maybe he's using that now to help Jimmy. But this is definitely, and if it wasn't that with Stacy and Maddie, it was something else in Mike's life, probably a few different times. Right. But he's definitely relating personally to Jimmy. He's not just something he read in a book somewhere. No, he's really trying to be helpful to him. And Jimmy's not, not having a lot of it. But he asked Mike if it didn't bother him about what happened. And Mike said, well, the guys wanted to take the money, and that's not good. And they, it was either us or them. And so what do you do? Yeah, the bandits were in the game. It's fair play. Yeah, this in the game. We keep hearing in the game, in the game. So Jimmy asked about Fred from Travel Wire. Was he in the game too? And he points out that Lalo killed him and they're helping him get away. And this is where Mike tells him that's not the end of the story. And, of course, Jimmy asks what that means and Mike's not going to tell him. Yeah, he says all he can say really is the choices we make put us on the road and we're on that road you know, relentlessly. We can't really get off the road once those choices put us on the road. Right, right. He emphasizes nothing can be done about that. Mike has these mysteries too, though, because if you remember the Good Samaritan that helped the truck driver that he tied up and left right. to survive, he got taken out. You know, he he knows firsthand, even if he doesn't have the dis distinct answers for each situation, he kind of knows the road. It's the road that he put himself on, and this is all part of the game. Well, and maybe Nacho even plays into that, too, because, you know, Nacho put himself on that road, and there's feels like there's nothing he can do about him, either. Well, he He's there. definitely put himself on that road. And then Jimmy's kind of ugly to him and says there's over, over a billion people on the planet, and the only one he gets to talk to is Mike, and he gets out of the car. But Mike is really the only one he can talk to, which is also saying something else about Kim, you know? 
He can't talk to Kim. Well, I think that was a bit of a humorous thing that Jimmy says that the six billion and I get you because he's really this is really valuable to Jimmy, this advice. You think it is? Yeah, I think it was kind of a dude to another dude, smart, snarky, you know, kind of a left-handed compliment. Okay. I think, anyway. Well, it may have been. I don't know. So then we see Nacho, and he's taking Lalo on that long desert drive to the well. And we see the same curve in the road, everything. Nacho gets out with his bag, offers to stay with him, but Lalo tells him to leave. Brags on him about the arson. Then he changes his mind. What do you think changed his mind? He either thought about it or realized, wait a minute, where's the car? It's not in sight. Jimmy said it broke down. Pretty close to the well, right? A minute, six minutes, two minutes, whatever. Six the... miles. It was six miles. And that would have been back towards home the way they just came. And he, maybe it just dawned on him, wait a minute, we didn't see any damn car. I don't see a car here. Where's the car? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, how would you know you wouldn't go have it towed or something? Well, it doesn't take much trouble to drive six, you know, drive a little bit farther and look for it. And that's kind of what they do. Well, he sees tracks, has Nacho stop. He gets out. He looks over this little ravine and sees Saul's car. And he notices the bullet holes. We talked about how he jumped down in there. Spider-Man's down in there. And he climbs back out and he says, back to Albuquerque. And the rest, I mean, I could literally almost not breathe in this next scene because Kim pulls up at home and she's in a taxi. Why was she in a taxi? I don't know. Maybe she's late. I don't know. I thought that was odd. But Jimmy's keys are in the dish and he's napping and she wakes him up. um, They talk about food and... Jimmy tells her that she seems worried, but she says she has news, but I'll tell you later. And he's like, no, of course, if somebody says that. And so she says she quit Schweiker and Coakley and gave up Mesa Verde. Now, what do you think about all this? Jimmy's following her through the house asking her, you know, what? What are you saying? Why would you do that? And she's like, it just felt right. Yeah, I don't know. I said before that she's Breaking Bad. Maybe she saw, you know, now we've got a little bit of a asset in this bag full of $100,000 that I'm free to not do this stupid bullshit. You know, the the boundary line of bank number 72 is on 17 inches from the easement. I mean, this is how it's boring her to death. She wants to help people and the pro bono stuff. I don't know. Maybe she feels like whatever Jimmy got now is a little bit of a buffer that allows her to escape from the stuff that she hates so why was he so adamant about her not quitting he tells her pro bono means no money yeah he i don't know maybe he doesn't want her to be anything but the the you know the crisp white clean lawyer the perfectly legal one of the couple yeah well i mean it, like if she's, think, if she's thinking, hey, man, we got this money now. Let's take it easy and let's. I can do what I want. He doesn't want her to think that way. He doesn't want her any part of this life to, to be to taint her. 
And I think if she, I think if she can use some of that money to be free from stuff she hates, then it is kind of tainting her. So he brings it in the house with a shot up coffee mug that she gave him. And he's half dead when he walks in and she has to nurse him back to health. But he doesn't want her in any way to feel any comfort from having that money in the house. Well, I don't think he wants her to be involved in in it at all. Well, if she just quits what she's doing, I don't see how that's involving her in anything. She didn't say, I'm quitting what I'm doing so I can be a friend of the cartel. No, but it's, he's looking t- towards the next step, Michelle. She's He's saying you can't make any money at being a pro bono lawyer. What are you going to do? You can't, you're going to count on me to get more money from the cartel? Like, you're going to help me do it? Because she's kind of helping him now. She's helping him. She didn't call the cops on him. She didn't, you know, say, take that money back. She's kind of accepting it. I'm and really kind of pissed at him in this, to tell you the truth. Because he can do what she's right. He can do whatever he wants to do. He can change his name. He can um, represent who he wants to represent and do whatever he wants to do. And all she did was just quit this job that was literally frying her brain from boredom. I don't think he likes her liking it. And it seems like she's starting to almost like it. Like, all right, now I can quit this shitty job because look what you ever you did to get this money frees us up to do some more you know stuff we want to do not what we have to do okay but not toward you but toward him who cares what he wants well i mean she gets to have what she wants too yeah we're arguing two separate things she she gets what she she can get whatever she wants that's fine clearly he just doesn't want her to get anywhere near what he's doing he knows what he's doing is like really dangerous and now she's like, she's already talked to Lalo. She's quitting her good job with Schweikert and Coakley. Good, high-paying, Mesa Verde client job. And now she's like, he's probably thinking, well, what, do you, what do you think you're going to do? You're going to talk to Lalo more and, and get involved in this? But that's not th- what she says. She says, I'm leaving something that makes zero difference in the world to help people out. And that's all she wants to do. She didn't glance at a picture of Lalo on her desk. I'm just trying she, to tell you what I think Jimmy is thinking she's going to do. Well, it just ticks me off. He's not because, mad that she's going to work and make 16000 a year. He's mad that he thinks she's going to get more involved in dicey stuff. And she probably is, Michelle. She is breaking towards this gray, gray area of like, talking to Lalo was not cool. I'm not defending even her leaving the job. All I'm saying is it's none of his business and he needs to back up because if you're going to take advice from somebody, it needs to be somebody who makes better decisions than you do. He's trying in this weird way that you don't like that you're criticizing him. He's trying to protect her. He doesn't want her involved in any of this stuff. He wants her to stay safe in the you know, Schweikert and Coakley office all day. I'll be home at three. Don't you even ask what I did to, you know, to get the money, but you do your nice, your nice, safe lawyer job and I'll do the dicey stuff. Well, then he should put it like that because otherwise it's, and even that's a little offensive, but it's very offensive. He talks about pro bono and no money. And I don't know. He's just giving her like this speech. He gives her the mic speech. that's That's almost a paper tiger argument. Like, 
come on, man, you're not going to make any... Like, he doesn't really care how much money she makes. He's trying to get her to rethink it, like, oh, yeah, I, qu I just quit a really high-paying job. Maybe I shouldn't. He doesn't care about the money. He cares about the safety part of it. She's way safer at Schweikert and Coakley than she is helping him with Lalo and, you know... Worrying about Jimmy is going to cause her a lot of trouble, and he's worried about that. Well, I think you're right, actually, because he does give her the Mike speech about being on bad roads and how you can't come back, and when you're on them, you're on them. So you're probably right, but something about that just rubbed me the wrong way. But Jimmy defends himself. He says that what he did was to leave failure for success and nothing like what she's doing. And... He's muted several calls. You're totally right, Michelle. He, Jimmy is totally doing the do what I say, not as I do speech and action. But I think it's, I think it's in his own weird, stupid, Saul Goodman-ish way. It's a, it's a way to try to keep her from trouble. Not just to, not just to be, you know, I'm, I can do it, but you can't. He's just trying to keep her out of trouble. He cares about her. They both clearly care about each other. Oh, okay. So he cares about her, and she cares about him, and he doesn't want to see her get hurt. So he's going to try to control her life, but don't say anything to make him, I'm going to do the thing I want to do. I mean, it's so yeah. freaking hypocritical. It's hypocritical. Well, it makes me maybe, mad. Maybe, but that's, I think, what is happening. And he's the one who started this stuff with her. He's the one who started the Añejo tequila Capers. Yeah, but that had no downside. But it did. It, it did. It got her to looking at that that kind of stuff, and she liked it. I mean, I'm not saying it's his fault, but I'm saying, you know, he's the one who's dipped her toe into this. He's the one who's led her to the pond anyway. And now he's going, you can't do it. I don't know. It just made me, it just really hit me wrong. And I like Jimmy. You know I do. I've got very little negative to say about him, but I really dislike that because I like Kim more and more. And I don't want to see her do anything stupid either. Either. All right, Michelle, it's a TV show. They're going to, you know, she's going to do something. <sighs> okay, can't well, like Mike's Jimmy and Lalo. They're both, uh, they're I can. I have to, I can. I can do what I snake. Okay, so he's muted several phone calls, and he finally takes the one when Kim goes to the door. She hears something. I think it's the door. She hears something over there. And, yeah, because it's Lalo banging on the door. And Mike tells him to put his phone down so he can hear and Lalo comes in, he taps on the fish glass, and Jimmy asks him not to, it upsets the fish. And then Lalo makes himself at home, and he tells them to sit down. And Jimmy says Kim was just leaving, he won't let Kim leave. I mean, I guess he doesn't not let Kim leave, but he makes sure they see his gun, and he tells oh, her he doesn't not let to. her leave. <laughs> he does okay. not let her leave. So he keeps asking Jimmy what happened after he got the money, and Jimmy keeps telling the same story. It's the same story. He throws in a different detail every time, um, and he tells the true story. He's very good at it. He's very good at being made to repeat the story the two or three times and not f falter. Yes, yes. Well, and because it is a true story. He left out Mike, he left out the bandits, and he left out the um, Gus's guys picking him up. And everything else is exactly true. And he added a little bit more in each time. Like, oh, yeah, and I do one other thing. I forgot to tell you, I had to drink my own pee. Right. You know, he was very convincing that it was not, a, it was not a, just a repeated, you know, rote memory that he memorized of a story. It was like right. him remembering it, quote unquote. Exactly. The actual way. 
And Kim starts going, I don't understand what you, and he shushes her. And he says, I paid a lot of money for this story, and I can hear it as much as I want. And he goes to tap on the fish tank again. And then he tells Jimmy to tell him the story again. And Jimmy tells him the story again. And he says, I don't know what the problem is, but I want Kim to leave. And then Lalo asked what he did. He saw the car. And he said, did you push it in a ditch? And Jimmy says, I don't think so. That's the stupidest answer I've ever heard in my life. Why would you say that? Who would say, I don't think so? Well, he's wearing them down. It's a pretty high-pressure situation. And, you know, Jimmy could always say, you know, God, I don't remember. I guess maybe we did. You know, could, he doesn't have to be Mr. Perfect. Yeah, but it wasn't we. It was just him. Yeah. And you're not going to forget whether or not you pushed your car off the road into a ravine, and why would you? It just doesn't make any sense. But And that was a really bad thing to say. And Lalo kind of goes crazy, saying either you did or you didn't. Jimmy offers him his money back, and Lalo wants the story again, and this is where Kim jumps up. And she chews Lalo out. She's asking what he wants. And Lalo says he found the car in a ravine with bullet holes in the side, and he wants the story. And this is where Kim, she's perfect. She's very indignant. Ask what kind of operation he's running. Why did you send Saul? You have no one else you can trust, and he needs to get, and, and, and you need to get your house in order, she says. And she talks about, you know, if anything's left out in Albuquerque, people will shoot it. It's not that big a deal. You're making this big a deal out of bullets and next time you have a bunch of money, how about you leave Saul out of it? Get your crap together. Start Stop torturing the one man who went through hell to save you. And Lalo looks for a long minute at Jimmy, and then he slowly walks out. And I made a note that Kim is a rock star. Well, she is a rock star, but she also says he doesn't lie to me or to his clients, and he clearly does both. Right. So I think if Jimmy had to tell the story one more time to Lalo, the fourth or whatever number of time and the next mm-hmm. one would have been, he would have tripped up. And I think Kim realizes this, and this is where she kind of intervenes. She doesn't like her guy getting picked on by this bully, but she also realizes he's at a critical, you know, he's he's so stressed that he's going to slip up if I don't jump in here. Right. And then she does it perfectly. She's like just the right amount of bravado and fear mixed together where she looks really damn convincing to to Lalo. Like, God, she's probably telling she's she's not lying to me. He probably thought. So what do you think Lalo thinks? Do you think Lalo believes that or do you think Lalo now knows something else happened? I don't think he's sure. Um, but I don't, but I think he's probably leaning towards Jimmy's lying to him. He just can't pin, pin down why or how important it is, but he's not sure. Kim has made him unsure. One more time with Jimmy, Jimmy would have slipped and he would have been sure. And I don't know what what would have happened. If I'm anticipating your next question, does Lalo just shoot Jimmy right then and there or what? Or shoot Kim. I mean, or shoot the fish. You never know what Lalo's going to do. Or does Mike shoot him? Because, you know, meanwhile, Mike has Lalo in his sight the whole time. Well, that is why Mike is there. Mike is there to protect Jimmy. 
Well, and he's there to protect the secret, too. He's got to protect the secret. Mike is not there to protect Jimmy. Mike's there to protect Gus. Well, yeah, that's true. Mike would have probably taken everybody out if he had to. But that would have been another, uh, what was the German guy? Uh, Werner Ziegler. Yeah, taking out people just to clean up loose ends. He didn't want to do that. He didn't want to do it with him, and he's going to probably have to do it. If, if it didn't go the right way, he probably would have had to do it with all three. Yeah, because, right. I mean, well, because if Jimmy had told Lalo under duress, then that would have been, you know, that was something Lalo could not know because then it would go back to Gus. You know, it makes you, um, well, it would have gone back to the cartel. It would go back to the cartel, but it would also go back to Gus because it would go back to Mike was there. Yeah, Mike's, if nothing else, he's a soldier. He can't, He never really kind of acts on his own to uh in his own self-interest to defy his ball he's not like a nacho biting the hand that feeds him he's kind of no. a good soldier all right michelle that's it for 509 there's only well, La- one left lalo goes out and gets in his car and nacho's there and he's in nacho's car and he says he's going to mexico and nacho's gonna drive him he's like buckle up we got a long drive ahead so 510 is something unforgivable and that's it for this season I'm on the edge of my seat with it and hopefully we'll actually get to watch it on time and yeah hopefully there's no more tornadoes between now and, and Monday that'd be very nice or between now and 50 years alright Michelle it's been a long week I'll see you next Wednesday on 510 something unforgivable do you see have anything then, else on your social media you want to tell people about mm, no not really I mean yeah, but- I I've I love getting uh, comments and the people commenting. I really appreciate you. I haven't even had a chance to check it this week, my Twitter, but I would love to get your tweets about the show at Michelle from TN. I'd love that. Do you have any uh, tornado blowing apart your hair on your hair channel? (laughs) Not yet. Not yet. Well, that's good. It's probably good. Yeah. All right. I'll see you next week. See you next week. Bye. Bye. Bye Bye-bye.